Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. This morning, the, the message that um, we're going to be talking about, I've entitled it, It's Complicated. It's complicated. Anybody ever use that to describe a relationship in your life? It's complicated. I mean, we all have those friends, right, that you look on their Facebook page and the relationship status says, not single, doesn't say divorced, doesn't say married, it says it's complicated. And those are the relationships, right? We all know somebody. It's like we're on one day, they're off the next day, right? You get up in the morning, you look on Facebook, and they're posting lovey-dovey pictures of each other, you know, sitting on the beach with arms around each other, or giving each other a little kiss. They're professing their undying love for one another. And then after lunch, you just happen to flip on Facebook again, and relationship status has changed to single all of a sudden, and they're blasting each other on Facebook. But then in the morning, you get up, and again, it's complicated, and they're, they're, explain, you know, they're professing their love for one another again. Anybody ever met a couple like that? On again, off again, on again. You never really know. You invite them to the party, but you don't know if they're going to come alone or if they're going to come together because you don't know whether they're going to be arguing that day or you can't go to dinner. You don't want to invite them to dinner because they could be arguing the whole time across the table or either that or they're being ridiculously romantic with one another, you know, inappropriately in front of everybody else. It's like, where's the middle ground? They're on one day, they're off one day. It's complicated. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I can't really say that I've had that kind of relationship in my life with with a person but I've had other than maybe my trainer at the gym it's like love them one minute you hate them the next minute usually it's hate first I hate them when they're telling me you know you can do it do one more and I'm like I can't do one more and then I do one more and I'm like I did it I love you I hate you I love you I hate you I love you but I do have that love-hate complicated relationship with a lot of things in my life, with a lot of behaviors in my life. Like, for example, okay, I'm just going to be really transparent with everybody today, so, you know, just keep encouraging me, okay, because this is not easy. But I I have a love-hate relationship with potato chips because I love them. I mean, the salt on your tongue, right, the crunch between your teeth, they taste delicious. They make me feel good in that moment until I look down and I've eaten half the bag. And then I hate it. It's like, I loved you a minute ago, but now I feel gross. You know, or I get up in the morning, I can't button my pants. Okay, now I hate you, potato chips. Like, I loved you yesterday, and today I hate you. Anybody have any? I mean, everybody's looking at me like, oh, no, I never do that. I'm, I eat apples and carrots, and <laughs> no one has that kind of, maybe it's ice cream for you. I don't know. I'm the salty, crunchy person. Some people are like the sweet, you know, whatever. Maybe it's the chocolate cake, whatever. I know some of you moms, I'm not naming any names, have been guilty of eating your kids' candy after they go to bed. I know it's true. Or that slice of chocolate cake, don't tell me it's not because I know it's true. Your kids told me. Anyways, um, 
So I have this love-hate relationship, but maybe it's not food for you. I mean, there's other things that I have a love-hate relationship with. It's kind of complicated because I really love to complain sometimes. It feels good. Doesn't it feel good to just, like, tell everybody or tell someone, you know, how are you doing today? Well, let me tell you. So, you know, and then you just go on to complain about all your ailments or everything that happened to you or some, the way people treated you today. It feels good to just dump it all. Complain. It feels good when it's coming out. It doesn't feel so good, like, later on when you're feeling all depressed and negative all the time because all you've been doing is spewing out all the negativity that's been going on in your life. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be walking by faith. That's right. I'm a Christian, but I feel depressed. And I don't love the complaining so much anymore. I kind of hate it. And maybe you have a love-hate relationship with anger. Doesn't it feel good to go off on people sometimes? Like, be honest. I mean, I've got like two people nodding their head. Like, everybody in the room should be nodding their head. You know what it's like to go off on that cashier at Walmart, right? When they take forever or they're not, you know, or the person, in, maybe it's not the cashier. Maybe it's the person that's in front of you taking forever with all their stuff. You know, they got to bag every, all the you know, soft stuff together in this bag and then take their time bagging all the, you know, and you're, you're like, I got to go pick up my kid from school or I got to, you know, I got somewhere to be. And you want to go off on that person and it feels good in the moment to go off on somebody or maybe it's your husband or your wife. But then later you realize when you're all alone in the bed that night or on the couch, <laughs> on the bed, in the couch, whatever, by yourself, and you realize, you know, maybe that wasn't a good idea. I kind of hate the effects afterwards. I loved it in the moment. It felt good. But now I hate, kind of hate the anger problem I have. Maybe I need to learn to close my mouth, keep it shut sometimes, not say everything that I think. Maybe I need to engage the filter that helps me to know what to say and what not to say. Yeah, I love it, but I hate it. It's complicated, you guys. It's complicated. I love chips, and I hate them at the same time. It's complicated. Do you have a complicated relationship like that? Look, I am so glad that I'm not the only one, but I'm also glad that God gave us the word of God, these men of God that wrote the word, and that, that God spoke to them and gave them the words to write. But I love the transparency that some of these men of God used when they wrote the word, because now I don't feel so alone. We're going to look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. We're going to check it out in a couple of different versions here this morning. It says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Anybody relate this morning? Let's check it out in the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I didn't mean to eat the whole bag. I just wanted one, but, oh, and now I hate myself. Okay, so in the message, this last one we're going to read, it says, what I don't understand about myself, my husband will tell you that's my favorite saying, I don't understand. I don't, I don't, don't you feel like you have to understand things? I don't understand. But I don't understand about myself. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. We make a decision, okay, I'm no longer going to do that anymore. And then an hour later, when we're feeling weak or tired or whatever, we fall right back into it. Why do we do that? We love it and we hate it all at the same time. It's complicated. And, you know, my relationship with chips didn't start out complicated. 
I mean, I was hungry and or I was bored and or I was emotional and I started to eat it and they made me feel good. And that was it. It was uncomplicated. It wasn't until, you know, months or years later when I started looking in the mirror and had to buy clothes that were sizes bigger than I had before that I started to realize this relationship is a little more complicated than I thought. Because what I loved, I'm now deciding I kind of hate it. Because I hate what it's doing to me. And maybe your, okay, maybe your weakness isn't chips, but maybe it's like we said, it's anger or it's complaining or it's whatever, and you're, you're finding yourself lonely because no one wants to hang out with a complainer. No one wants to hang out with someone who flies off the handle all the time. And all of a sudden, here you're wanting close and intimate relationships in your life, and you've got no one, and you're like, wow, what I really kind of loved, which was the ability to just say whatever I wanted to say, now I'm, I kind of hate it, and it's become complicated, this relationship. I don't know about you, but there are times when I've come to a point in my life where I've gotten so low about something that I'm like, I need to change this. Has anybody gotten to a point where you're like, okay, I, I got to make a change. This is ridiculous. I know I love it, but I hate what it's doing to me, and I've got to make a change. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about how to make real and lasting changes. Coincidentally, it's July 2nd today. We're like literally smack dab in the middle of 2017. We're halfway through the year. We've completed six months of the year. We've got six months more to go. How many people made a New Year's resolution this year in January? Anyone? Anyone? And now we're in July. Some of us forgot that we even made the resolution because we stopped doing it like on July 5th or January 5th. But I was determined this year, that's it, I'm done. I got to make a change, a lasting change when it comes to my health. And for some of us, like I said, it could be your situation might be different. Maybe you got health in the bag. You're good with that. You're good. You don't need any help in that area, but you've got an anger problem or you've got a lust problem. Whatever it is, I had gotten to my lowest point and I was like, this has to change. This has to change. And I don't want it to just change. I don't want to make a commitment in January that by February 1st, I'm back to doing the same old thing that I've always been doing. Because if I'm honest with you guys this morning, it's been the same resolution for about 20 years now. I'm going to make this real and lasting change. I know some of you are looking at me like, 20 years ago? You were only a child, Jenny, 20 years ago. No, I really wasn't. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, Psalms, I want us to turn this morning to Psalms 119. We're going to talk about how to make that real and lasting change, that change that doesn't just start in January and ends by February. Verse 112, it says this, Psalms 119, verse 112, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Forever to the very end. I love the book of Psalms, too, because it is the perfect example of this whole complicated relationship. Because, like, if you look in one chapter of Psalms, you've got, you know, the psalmist shouting for joy. Shout unto, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You know, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And then you turn over to another chapter, and he's like, why so downcast, O oh my soul? You know, and the next one is, God, why have you forsaken me? You know, all this back and forth, back and forth, up and down, this complicated relationship as you look through the book of Psalms. But right here, I feel like the psalmist is finally like, you know what? I'm tired of the back and forth. 
tired of doing this, doing what I've wanted, what I say I want to do, doing it for a short time and then reverting back to my old ways. No, I want to do this forever to the end. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. The key to us making that real and lasting change, guys, is not just by doing the actions on the outside. There's something on the inside that's got to happen. This almost said, I have inclined my heart. And that word inclined is interesting to me. Because inclined means that you've got to uh, uh, put something upright, that you've got to, it, it would indicate to me that probably this psalmist's heart was in a declined state. And he had to do something to incline it, to bring it back upright. And many of us, we live in a reclined state. Whatever, however I feel when I wake up and whatever comes my way, that's just how I'm going to act today. So if, if something good happens, I'm going to be happy today. And if something bad happens, I'm going to be depressed today. And if somebody makes me angry, I'm just going to be angry today as if we have no choice in it. Our heart just defaults to this reclined state. And I believe this psalmist was in a position where he was in that depressed state. He was in a declined state. But he said, you know what? Nuh-uh, not anymore. I'm not going to stick with what I defaulted at. I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to incline my heart. How did he do that? Pastor John, he's been slipping in this, this statement into a lot of his messages lately. If you've been coming on Tuesday nights or on Sunday mornings, I've heard him saying it in classes and different things. And he just kind of slips it in there, but I thought it was important for us to hear it again this morning. And that is that comfort and convenience are not luxuries found in the Bible. Jesus said we got to pick up our cross daily. We got to die to ourselves daily. That doesn't sound convenient or comfortable for that matter. And so we got to get out of this reclined state where I'm just comfortable. I'll do what's convenient today. Whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I'm just going to go with it, good or bad or ugly. We need to incline our heart to perform his statute. Let's go on to the, the next verse in this chapter and read what it says. It says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. There it is, that love-hate relationship. I hate, but I love. I love, but I hate. The psalmist knows exactly what we're going through. I hate the double-minded. He's not talking about the person. I hate the, the attitude of the double-minded. I hate the, the, the act of being double-minded. Up one day, down the next, on today, off today, together today, broken up tomorrow. I hate that, but I love your law. Hate, we got to think about this for a second. Hate it's a powerful motivator. Hate is a powerful motivator. Not love, hate. It's like, you know, we don't talk about hate too much in church, right? Because we always think of God as love. Jesus was all about love. And yes, he is. He loves us. But did you know that God hates some things? We need to find out what God hates. Hate is a powerful motivator to change. You know, people won't do something to change it until they hate it enough. Like, I hate racism. I hate poverty. I hate that there's incurable diseases out there. 
And when these kinds of things come up, when we get to the point where we hate it enough, then we'll do something about it. And there are things in our lives that we need to get to the point where we hate it enough that we're going to do something about it. I love a salty potato chip. Anything salty and crunchy, I love it. But I hate the way it makes me feel later. On the other hand, I kind of hate running, but I kind of love what it does for me later. You know, sometimes we need to make an exchange. You know, I hate waking up early at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym. I hate it. But I kind of love the effects afterwards, and I love how it makes me feel for the rest of the day. Hate is a powerful motivator, and honestly, so I've been on this, this journey for eight months now. I started it in November of last year. And it wasn't love that got me started. I would love to stand up here and say that, you know, I just decided one day that I loved myself enough to start treating myself the way that I'm supposed to. I started eating right and exercising because I loved myself so much. Because I would love as a woman of God, a woman of faith, to be able to stand up here and say that and make that declaration. But you know what? Love wasn't strong enough, love for myself. It was really kind of motivated by hate. I mean, I hated the way I felt every day. Any overweight person in the room that can relate with me this morning of how you feel heavy every day. Everything's harder because you're carrying around more weight. So every task you do, it's harder. And I hated that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't look the way I wanted to look, right? I couldn't wear the kind of clothes that I really wanted to wear because it didn't look good on me. I hated it. And I got to the point where I was like, I hate this enough that I have to make a change. I have to make a change. And I want to make a lasting change. I want to be like the psalmist and do it forever to the very end. Not just give up a month into it because I'm tired of the process. The process is too hard. I posted uh, something on Facebook yesterday that said, you know, being overweight is hard, or working out is hard. Being overweight is hard. Pick your hard. Life is not going to just be convenient for us and comfortable for us all the time. We got to do the hard stuff. And especially that much more as Christians, we got to be ready to do the hard stuff. Because the good news is, is that we don't have to do it on our own. The grace of God is sufficient for us. The grace of God will see us through every step of the way as we step out in obedience. And honestly, hate was a powerful motivator for me because I was like, I know as a Christian, I'm not supposed to feel about myself the way that I do. I know enough to know that this isn't right, but in order for me to change it, I've got to make some internal changes. It's not just about what I do on the outside. I got to change some things on the inside. And I decided that I'm not happy here with the default state of my heart, it's time for me to incline my heart, engage, get it upright, and make this change, this permanent change. So when I started, I hated it. 
I started it. I hated getting up early. I hated going to the gym. I hated someone telling me, you know, go run a lap. I'm like, you go run a lap. (laughs) (laughs) You lift that weight. I don't want a heavier one. Just give me the lighter one. You know, I hated it. But I learned really quickly, guys, that I didn't have to stay in that default setting of my heart, that I could change the default setting to be inclined instead of reclined or declined. I could change the default setting. You don't have to go with the one that you've been given, that default setting. It's time to, uh, now this is the inclined state. Now that's my default setting from here on out. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Before I can do what I love, I first have to know what to hate. And I hated it. I hated feeling weak. I hated feeling tired. I hated feeling heavy. I hated not being able to buy the clothes that I wanted to buy. But it's complicated because I do love the salty potato chips and I love the, you know, whatever. Whatever I could indulge in. The pizza and the this and the that. Whatever was convenient and easy. I loved it. Because it was convenient and easy. I loved what they did for me, but I hated what they did to me. It's a complicated relationship, guys. I, I loved to sleep in. Like, if I could have a day to just sleep in, and I mean, not even necessarily late, but I didn't, definitely didn't want to get up. I wanted to stay up late and get up late. That was my default setting. I want to stay up late and get up late. But then I remembered I'm an adult. I can't do that anymore, you know. I got to go to a job. I got to do, you know. And then I, on top of that, I added that I, ha- I got to go work out. And class is at 5.15 in the morning. Why do they do that to people? I mean, no one should be up at that time. We should also, we should never know that there's two 5.15s in a day. <laughs> right? We only know about the one 5.15. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's funny because I really, truly, I can honestly say this, used to hate that. But now that I'm like eight months into the process, it's just between us, you guys, okay? Just between us. Not every day, okay? But a lot of the time, I kind of like it. I kind of like getting up early now. I kind of like pushing myself at the gym and seeing how far I can go. It's really amazing when you start doing things that you never thought you could do. I couldn't do one burpee at the gym. I mean, there's days when we've done, what, like 150 burpees in a day, and I do all 150 of those burpees. Thank you very much. It's an amazing feeling. And somewhere along the line, and like I said, it's not every day. There are still days that I'm like, I told the first service, I wake up, the alarm goes off at 4.30, and I'm searching in my Rolodex of excuses for the reason why I can't get up and go to the gym. But none of them work. That's what I hate is that there's never a good excuse to not get up and go. But most of the time, somewhere along this eight-month journey, somewhere along the way, I decided I enjoyed it. And it wasn't just about the results I was getting. Because you do, you enjoy the results. But somewhere along the line, I actually started to enjoy the process. Maybe because that default setting had finally switched. 
I wasn't in the reclined state anymore or the declined state. I was in that inclined. I had inclined my heart. I'm going to do this forever to the very end, just like the, the psalmist said. And once that became my default setting, then I looked forward to setting my alarm to 4.30 in the morning. I looked forward to getting up and being at the gym and being pushed. Don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy every minute of the gym while I'm doing it. But I actually started to look forward to it, to enjoy the process. I made the decision to orient myself in a different direction. We have to train our minds, guys, to hate certain things enough that we change it. And God wants, you know, there are times when God will let us get low, 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 and really kind of get totally disgusted and hate what we're involved in or what we're doing and hate what it does to us because he knows that he wants to experience that so that we'll say to ourselves, never again will I let myself go back to that. I hate it so much that I will never let myself go back there, whatever the situation is in your life. Why do women who come out of abusive relationships many times repeat the cycle and go right into a new relationship that's just as abusive or more abusive? They did the act of getting out of that relationship that was abusive, but they went into the new relationship with the same old mindset. They got out of the relationship, but they didn't get over the relationship. They were unwilling to go through the process of being alone for a while, renewing their mind for a while, getting healed for a while, because that process is not always fun. In fact, it's probably not fun at all. But we can't go into the new thing with the old mindset. It reminds me of the children of Israel when God delivered them. Moses and the children of Israel delivered them from Egypt. We're all familiar with this story, yes. They had been in slavery for years, 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 years. And God set them free, delivered them. And God had prepared for them. He had promised them this promised land. But God also knew that when he delivered them from Egypt, when he brought them out, that they still had the same mindset. And he knew that for them to enter into the promised land that he had prepared for them, they had to come into a new mindset in order to enter in and to enjoy it. So out of his kindness, he took them through the wilderness, the long way, the extra long way, because he knew they were going to need that time. He knew they were going to need that process to get work out the old way of thinking and put on the new way of thinking. They were going to need a new mindset. They were going to have to learn how to incline their hearts into that upright position they had been in a declined position for too long, and God knew that they couldn't take that, the old mindset into the new promised land. So he allowed them to go through the wilderness. That was their process. The wilderness wasn't designed to punish them. It was designed to prepare them. And maybe you feel like you're in a wilderness or you're in a process of going from the old to the new God did not put you in that process to punish you, but to prepare you. So why are we resisting the very thing? I resisted the process of getting healthy for a long time because it was, didn't look like fun. 
it was going to be hard. I knew that. So I resisted it for a long time. And now I'm like, why did I resist for so long? This is great. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Stop hating the process and start loving it. Listen to this. I'm almost done. It says, you will never know your potential if you keep resisting the process by which God is trying to reveal it. You will never know your potential if you keep resisting the process by which God is trying to reveal it. We just want to go from the old to the new. We want to avoid everything in between. And yet we need everything in between in order to enjoy the new. There's only one way, and it's down this road to go through this process. The only way you lose weight is to work hard and eat less. That's the way you do it. So why are we hating the process? The very thing you're resisting and hating and complaining about is the very thing that's going to prepare you for your promised land. Too many times we are praying for God to give us what we need to live a life without him, and he's not going to do it. See, I've, ha- I've lived with a heart condition for the last 10 years, and so because of that, it made me fearful to work out. Every time my heart rate would go up, the fear would step in that you're about to have a heart attack, Jenny. You're going to have a heart attack. I mean, people joke around about when their heart rate gets going fast, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack. No, I really, at one time in my life, could have had a heart attack. And so that fear, the memories still kind of kick in like, okay, don't, don't do too much. Don't go too hard. Thank God I'm past that fear now, and I look forward to pushing my body. But for a long time, that was the excuse I made. God, if you'll heal my heart, if you'll remove the five stents that were placed in there, you know, and make it and open everything up and make it healthy, then I'll start working out. And God's like, but then you won't need me. You won't have to rely on me. I'm not going to do it. And we're praying for God to, to fix that one thing in our lives that will help us to live without him. And he's not going to do that for us. I had to come to a point where I stopped hating the process and started loving it. And I, I was going to share the analogy that I got from watching Wonder Woman as I started this message today. I talked to you about Wonder Woman. But anyways, the bottom line of all of it, because we're running out of time, is that hate is a powerful motivator, but love Remember I told you that I started somewhere along the way. I don't know where it was. I started to love the process. If I had continued hating the process, if I had continued hating it, which is what got me started, but hating the process wasn't going to keep me or sustain me on that process. At some point, I had to change my attitude about the process, and I started to love it. And so love is a powerful, or hate is a powerful motivator, but love is even more powerful. Love is the sustainer. Love is what keeps me on this journey now. Love is what keeps me from turning back. Yeah, there's still times when hate works because I remember how I felt the days before I made that final decision, I'm going to make a change. But ultimately, what keeps me going is that I want to see how much farther I can go today. I want to see how much more I can push my body today. This is kind of exciting. This is kind of fun. I kind of love it. I've become the person that I used to roll my eyes at. Hate is powerful, but love is even more powerful because love is what is going to sustain us. Will you incline your heart today? 
Will you examine your life and maybe identify some things that, that you hate? And then will you make a decision today to reset that default setting in your heart from that reclined state or that declined state and put it in the upright position? Incline your heart. Hate the double-minded. Love his law. Will you stand to your feet this morning? T, will you come? I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking about our pastors and when they started the building, this church. And it was very early on that Heaven got sick, their daughter, young daughter. How old was she at the time? 18 months. And pastors shared the story before that she got ill. And the doctors had pretty much come and said, I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Butcher, but there's really nothing else we know to do. How would you feel? You've just made the decision, not far before that, to say, yes, Lord, we will start this endeavor of ministry. We'll start this church. We'll do what you've instructed us to do. We'll step out in faith. And shortly after that, your daughter is lying in a hospital bed, and the doctors are telling you there's nothing that more that they can really do. For most people, that would have discouraged them to the point of, let's just forget this ministry thing right now, and we'll just focus on heaven, on our daughter, or, or just on our family. Maybe we'll pick it up later on down the road. But they had made a commitment to God to be obedient, to step out in faith. And in that process of heaven getting sick, they really had to learn in that moment, out of desperation, how to fight for the life of their daughter on their knees to call out to God, to cry out to God. And it's funny how even to this day now, they've learned how to fight for the lives of people that have been entrusted into their care in this ministry. In that moment, the victory in the end, we all know that Heaven is a healthy little girl now. She's nine years old, running around healthy singing all the time, right? Like, yeah. And putting on dance shows all the time, yeah. And the victory wasn't just that heaven was healed that day. But the victory was also that a new mindset had been created in our pastors. In that moment, they learned how to fight for lives. Because God knew that when they started this ministry, that one day it was going to be this, and they were going to have to know how to fight for the lives of people. We're resisting the very process that's going to give us and equip us what, with what we need to enter into the next phase of our lives. And we got to stop resisting the process and embrace it. Let's uncomplicate this relationship and stop hating what we should love and start loving what we should hate, you know, or vice versa. Let's not do this back and forth. Let's get rid of the double-mindedness, amen? Let's incline our hearts. Let's reset the default to an inclined state of our hearts. There are people that are depending on us, like it or not. I literally had a lady this morning, a woman of God that I don't know very well, but I look up to her 
as a powerful woman of God, a minister of the gospel, and she contacted me privately on Facebook to ask me about my health journey. We just have no idea sometimes, and I hate it. I, I used to hate us posting those selfies at the gym. Like, it drove me crazy because that was, I used to roll my eyes at the people that would post their, you know, checking in at the gym, look at me. I used to roll my eyes at those people, and then all of a sudden I had become one of these people. You don't realize what your life is doing. You don't realize by you resisting that process that you're not just, that decision is not just affecting you. It's affecting all the people that you're meant to encounter and touch and challenge and change down the road. Look, our lives are not our own. It's not just for the pastors and the leaders and all that. It's all of us as Christians. It, God told us, your life, it's not your own. You don't get to decide how you live it. You don't get to decide. That's God's decision. He created you with a purpose, with a plan. And I'm telling you, it's bigger, it's greater, it's better than anything you could even ask or think of. We don't have the luxury of doing our own thing, whatever we want. God wants to use you. There is nothing more exciting in life to me than the thought of God being able to use my life to make a difference in somebody else's life. There is nothing like it. Maybe nobody taught you that growing up. That, that, that's a problem for me. That's why I used to work with teenagers. And the one thing, when I was a youth pastor for 10 years, the one thing that I wanted to instill into those young people was that you're here for a purpose. And adults, young adults, Teenagers, whoever's in here this morning, you are in here on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. And it's greater than what you think. Would you cooperate with God this morning? Would you just get on board with the plan? I feel like, I was saying in the first service, I feel like the mama this morning. Quit complaining and just do it. Quit complaining and just do it. Your parents don't say that just because they want you to clean your room, but they know you're going to feel better when everything's in its place and organized in your room. It's not just about them feeling about, better about it. They know you're going to feel better about it. They don't make you eat your vegetables because it makes them feel better. No, they know it's going to make you feel better and be stronger. God isn't putting you through the process to punish you, but to prepare you for something beyond your wildest dreams, something greater than you can even imagine. So let's cooperate with him, amen? Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.